righty, welcome everybody to uh, the second episode of Culture Lust. Today we're going to be discussing the movie Heat Stroke, starring uh, Stefan Dorff, Svetlana Metkina, I believe I'm saying that correctly, and Maisie Williams. You probably know her as Arya Stark from The Game of Thrones. Uh, I'm your host, James. I'm joined by my buddy, Scott. Hey, what's up? And his brother, Chris. What's And, uh... We're going to just be discussing this movie tonight. Um, so let me go ahead and give you a summary of what this movie is, according to IMDb and the crew themselves. It is stated, On a family trip in the African desert, a research scientist unintentionally travels off course and is brutally murdered by an arms dealer. His girlfriend is put to the ultimate survival test as she attempts to evade the killers and protect his teenage daughter. Once again, they got you hooked with the with the description. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. And the poster, even. If you look at the poster, that's another thing I was noticing. The poster is very misleading, in my opinion. <sighs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It, the, so, obviously, this is an audio, uh, uh, audio media. So right, the, yeah. The poster has Stephen Dorff, like, kind of up front and center with a pistol. It looks like he's trying to lock and load that sucker. Yeah, I think uh, he's actively reloading. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and which is weird because he was like this complete scientist pacifist. Yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah. point out the the rotten and I, I have it in my notes actually. The Rotten Tomatoes description of the movie is similar, but way way different. You guys mind? No, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, on a family trip to the African desert, a research scientist unintentionally travels off course and comes face to face with a group of dangerous arms dealers. He is put to the ultimate survival test as he attempts to evade the killers and protect his girlfriend and teenage daughter. That was not the movie well, we saw. No, so, yeah. I'm wondering if the that? original direction was, hey, this is going to be a, a Stefan Dorf action film and he's going to kick some ass in Africa. And then it later turned into not so much that at all. Uh, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. I mean, all the media, uh, the other media, you know, the poster and that kind of stuff looks like it. I think we just got executive decision. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they filmed yeah. the other parts. I'd be interested to right? know if they, they filmed the uh, started filming and they're like, "Wait, this guy sucks," or you know, something else happened. Yeah, there is actually amazingly there for this being like a fairly big movie. I mean, you know, Macy Williams, Stephen Dorff, those are people; those are actors; those are you know, it's not like it was just some B well, this, movie. This There's was surprisingly uh... little information about this movie out there. Yeah, it was Maisie Williams' like uh, big screen debut. You know, she'd been yeah. doing Game of Thrones right. for a little while, but uh, this was her first movie. Um, so, what were you guys' uh, initial impressions? What you guys think? So I, I, uh, initial my initial impressions were actually pretty solid. I, uh, the production value was, was there. The uh, and then they they started talking, and I was like, "Wow, these people can't act!" Like it was pretty bad it was pretty cringy um mm. i did not like the 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 russian lady what's her name svetlana i didn't mm. like her i didn't like her she did she had some parts in the movie that were some moments in the movie where she, i thought her performance is actually pretty good but mm -hmm. for the most part i think she got this role because she was hot uh, i mean I just, I if you look at her wardrobe throughout the movie I would argue that you're probably correct with that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, in the middle of so middle low cut tops. Like, middle of F Africa with like a half shirt on, like oh. Okay, yeah, very cool. clingy material, you know. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was okay. It was okay. I I know last week, uh, uh, Chris said that he he was going to probably like this less than Maximum Conviction. Um, I like this more. I like this more. It was. Yeah, I liked I liked this more than yeah, last week. It, it was more well, far more suspenseful, and and it just had uh, there was a lot of cliches and tropes, but it, it did have some significant like character development. What about, what about you, Chris? Chris? What, do you, what do you think? I, I honestly, my prediction from last week rings true. Really? I actually think I enjoyed Maximum Conviction more than Heat Stroke. Hmm. And that's not to say that I felt that Heat Stroke was such a, an inferior movie and Maximum Conviction is the greatest thing. <laughs> I'm talking about would you rather jam hot needles under your fingernails or into your eyes? That's pretty extreme. Take your pick. <laughs> Uh, wow! But no, I, I, found, I found this movie. Uh, the Tell us how you really feel. The that they used in this movie, I really didn't like, and it completely took me out of everything. And it got to the point where any, like, my first impression was just the tropey, cliche characters. Like you've got the the you know the, the angsty teen cliche. You know, then you've got the the stepmom slash yes. other woman new girlfriend yes fighting with the the daughter cliche it just it was like they basically just checked the boxes and did absolutely nothing that you wouldn't expect or nothing that hasn't been done a thousand times before in a much better you know way mm. and because of that any for me any of the suspension or tension or the suspense or tension that you could have felt for any of the characters, I just didn't have any because, quite frankly, I didn't care about any of the characters. I'm like, I really didn't care. Macy Williams was playing angsty, you know, teen from a broken home, version 1,234, and then you had the Russian mannequin just there. <laughs> the Russian. That's really what she was. That's really. And I thought, I thought the one scene where they're first walking away right after they escape the bad guys which is another trope the only people in this entire area are going to be the bad guys no one else is in this entire region except bad guys i knew that was going to happen but when they're walking along after they escape the little kind of the camp the bad guy camp and um oh what was her name tally was the name of the character she was walking along and she's all like beat up and everything and she's going off i think she was speaking russian but she yes. may have just been speaking english and i just couldn't understand what she was saying i actually thought there was going to be like some major character development like i don't know maybe she had was like a refugee or something like that and had been forced to do some things that she wasn't really all that proud of that she's trying to put behind when she was a little kid and that's gonna all come out she was gonna turn into some like major badass or something because that's kind of what it hinted at that there was something underneath with the, the way that she attacked the one guy. And then, no, no, I, I, I think I was giving this movie too much credit. I, I have to, I, I, I agree with you there, because I thought that was going to happen as well. The way she was talking about, uh, you know, I could have subdued him. I didn't have to mm -hmm. kill him, but I did. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. It, was, it ended up being a bit cheesy, because 
essentially she was like having a panic attack while walking through the desert in Africa, which could happen. I mean, she just smokes him, dude. Uh, but she was translated yeah, yeah. for herself. Like, <laughs> you also have to remember, though, like, she was a humanitarian. She was an aid worker. She was all about trying to help people, save people. Yes. You know, she just got back from uh, Haiti, you know, like, rescuing children that lost their parents and stuff. So I looked at it more of, like you said, kind of a panic attack, more as in a, in a moral injury, because she just killed another human being when her whole life has been dedicated to doing the exact opposite. But that's how do. I looked at that one. Right, right. I know. I agree completely. They do drop a couple of little hints, like early on in the movie, because they mention, because she mentions that she lost both her parents, mm-hmm. but they don't give details as to why. And then she, she, when she was talking to the daughter, I can't remember her, Joe, but she was like, "What did the world do to you?" That's got her so angry. Yeah. Those little things, plus then you have that one scene where you know she's kind of having her little panic attack and everything and at least in in my thought you're kind of setting the stage for something that's that's a little bit more than your typical survivor survival story which i thought would have been kind of cool um it might have been a cliche as well but you know yeah i mean so overall i enjoyed the movie more than last last week's episode um yeah that's kind of like winning the special olympics though (laughs) i took third in yeah, the Special Olympics, but, you know, hey. Yeah. Um, in the end, you're still not all there in the head. So. Yeah. So, no, I I, uh, I agree. There's definitely a lot of cliches, a lot of tropes. Um, overall, though, I thought the cinematography was pretty good. The music was 50-50. So when it was the instrumental, um, I don't want to say mood-setting music, but, you know, it set the dramatic tone or, or the, the romantic tone or whatever you want to call it, uh, depending on the scene, I thought that was done really well. But... When they went to Maisie Williams' angsty teenness, God knows what the hell she was listening to. It was probably like friends of the director who had a garage band, and were, <laughs> it was like a plug for them. But Jesus Christ, like that was terrible. If you're gonna be an angsty teen, listen to something angry, something grungy. Don't listen to like a Katy Perry knockoff. Like what the fuck? <laughs> that was terrible. It, and it then the dialogue. Yeah, it did not match at all. And then the dialogue. There were some really strong moments, but I felt like they were just rushed on. Like, just, oh, we tiptoed over that one, and now we're really going to go back to the shitty dialogue. Because that's, you know, what we're sitting on for some reason. Um, the moments between uh, uh, Paul and, you know, uh, Joe when they're in the vehicle, and it's just them two. And they're kind of discussing, like, you know, him leaving and her issues with that and how he still loves her and he's always going to be there for her. like. That was pretty good, I thought. A um, couple of times between Paul and Tally where they're discussing, you know, what they want with each other and this and that. Uh, I thought it was pretty strong. And, of course, between Tally and Joe, they developed a pretty good relationship, I thought. But there was other times where the dialogue was just atrocious. And I'm just like, no one talks like this, much less why would you write like this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No one talks like this. It seems like... I mean, not that we have a whole like sample of uh, a lot of movies, but it seems like the trend so far is wasted potential. These, yeah, for these, sure. These, these movies could do so much better mm-hmm. without like huge investments or huge changes. It's just like, what are, what are you guys doing? You're just making these budget ass like B movies. Right, like, right, yeah. Um, you guys have anything that you thought that they did well? 
Um, I, I on, think... oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, to touch on what you said, the cinematography was, I thought was incredibly very effective as well. Yeah, I thought they, they did a really good most, job. They made the most of their shooting locations, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, that's that's what I mean when I say this was obviously a, not maybe not necessarily, you know, big budget, but this was a, you know, this is a triple A movie. This wasn't just, you know, Steven Seagal's, you know, buddy, director buddy that, you know, owes him money or something, putting him in another movie. Right. This was a, uh, this was a movie, I, I believe it was adapted from a novel because mm -hmm. it was in the, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, I, there's just so little to find on so little information about this, but I think it just, it's wandered at all. And I, and, and I know I'm trying, we're trying, close to talking to what they did right, but I think everything they did right ties directly into my biggest problems that I had with the movie. Okay. Yeah. Also, I just want to say, featuring the hyena as your sort of spiritual animal, yeah, that's sort of animal. <laughs> I actually yeah. thought it was kind of cool. I'm not going to lie, because I want yeah, to I feel like they could have added a lot more substance to it other than oh, just, oh, my I dad's agree. a hyena scientist. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean, though? Even when they kind of did something right, it always yeah. ties into yeah. something I, that they could have done better. The whole hyena thing was like, it seemed like it was very tacked on. And yeah. It was just of, forced and thrown in your face over yeah. and over again. And because they didn't of do the, a very good job of hyena proofing their camp on <laughs> no, their they didn't. hyena excursion. But yeah. because of how many tropes and cliches and stuff that were in this movie, I fully expected those hyenas to save them. Right? You know, like, I and fully it would even make more sense because, you know, they. So they kept hallucinating, right? And seeing Paul as they're delirious and dehydrated and this and that. And then, like, tied in with that, there was always some hyena around. So you kind of got the sense of, like, oh, Paul's spirit animal is this hyena. And he's yeah. he's looking over these girls as they struggle to survive in the African <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. wilderness, you know? And, yeah, it would have been – I would have totally been cool with the hyena killing the bad guy in the end. And, you know, I would have been like, all right, cool. You know, it makes sense. Like, the dad was able to protect him in the long run, you know? Right. But yeah, it brought, they it, didn't it do that. would have brought it kind of full circle. No, well, again, missed opportunity. Because at the very beginning of the movie, remember, he mentions that there were hyenas that he's visited repeatedly. Right. That he knows personally. Like, he knows that specific hyena. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe – I thought maybe one of them was going to latch on to him, you know, to, to the girls and just kind of follow them around and then maybe, like, jump on the bad guy. And Especially since the whole hyena the theme was the alpha females, right? It would have been right. fitting that they would have uh, been protecting fitting. these females. Absolutely fitting. And that's it, a cliche it, I, would have, I would have accepted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. There's that scene where they, they go into the kind of uh, uh, rebel, the broken down house, the ruined house, mm -hmm. and... The hyena comes in and uh, what's her name? Svetlana. Um, God damn it! What's her name in the movie? Tally. 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 Tally is basically passed out because that's right after her her rant with herself. Yeah. Uh, that right there would have been a pristine moment for uh, at least some recognition from Joe. Like, oh, that's violent, you know? Right. That's violent. That's that's my dad, you know, watching me or something along those lines. Yeah. But no, she just in there yeah, it's, it's, it. yeah, she just like sat there frozen, like her dad told her to do, and and the thing like makes him fucking laughing noises and, and leaves. It was pretty <laughs> right. anticlimactic and pointless. 
Yeah. So I, I, well, I got to give credit to Maisie Williams because I, I, I don't blame her acting for her character. I blame the writing. And I think she did a pretty good job doing the best she could with what she had. Um, she definitely hit the angsty teen on the head. <laughs> um, yeah. It was annoying at times, um, but I think she, she, you know, I don't want to say she carried the movie, but, you know, um, she did a pretty good job, I feel like. And we know she's a great actress, you know, thanks to Game of Thrones and stuff. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Uh, uh, Dorf was, was wooden, and he reminded me of uh, the little kid, Jerry Maguire. He's just full of, like, pointless-ass fucking facts that don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and just like Chris said, the, the Russian nesting doll. <laughs> Yeah. She, uh, so yeah, Maisie. She really. Uh, she really. I, I enjoyed her performance as well as Peter Stormar, the main mad yes. bad guy. Thank yeah, you. but I felt like he could have. I'm completely biased. Doesn't he do these roles the often? I feel like yes. he does these roles all the time. So. Absolutely oh, typecasting. He's absolutely for him. I felt like he was just checking the box because he just plays a really good creepy bad guy. You know. <laughs> absolutely typecasting. Uh, I think he did well. I think he did well. I think if you need a if you need a character like that played, that's one of the guys you can go to, and he's going to play it well. Whether or not he's phoning it in or not, he's still going right. to be better than most people are, are going to. I loved him in uh, was it Armageddon when he's the yes. Russian the Russian yes. cosmonaut. Fantastic! <laughs> I, I loved him in that. I loved him in Bad Boys Two because I'm a shameless Bad Boys fan. I really enjoyed him. I think in everything I've ever seen him in. Yeah. I wanted to point yeah. out that this is actually the first work, the first time I've ever actually seen Macy Williams in a in a in a movie, in a show, or in anything, in any acting performance, aside from the one episode of Teens React she did on YouTube a long ass time ago. So you oh, haven't you... seen Game of Thrones. I yeah. have not seen a single episode of Game oh, of wow. Thrones. Oh wow. You should watch so that it, would right? explain why you didn't get my joke. On the first uh-huh. episode. Yes, the la- yes, I think that's was. <laughs> okay. Probably, probably. All right. So there we um, go. All right, that makes a lot of sense. I actually have to agree. With you. I think the dialogue she was given wasn't the strongest. No, no. But I would argue, I think she did carry the movie because she had to. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think they were banking on her, uh, <laughs> her being in the movie. Yeah, she. Yeah. I mean, she really after the after her dad dies, she really became the main yeah. character. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. So I will say, I did like how they weren't afraid to kill off the dude who's front line on the poster within yep. like twenty minutes of the movie. I thought that was pretty good. I was, yep. all, right, I was all right, cool. I can get on board with this. Well, yeah, like I, I like it when they kill off main characters as kind of a surprise thing. You know, granted, we oh. knew going into it that. You know, you read the description, you know what's going on. But that's why I don't watch trailers and stuff. Yes. You know what? I was going to mention that, actually, man. Because I know that uh, you were, you, we, you and I had talked before about how you don't watch trailers. And mm-hmm. I completely mind-blanked the, the summary for the movie. So yeah. when I was watching it and he died, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, I, you know, I was like, I had a, I had a Zen moment with the James philosophy of not watching trailers. We became because, one. Yes. I was like, yeah. wow, I see, uh, I kind of see the point. I see what's going on now because it was really good. That, yeah. that scene was really done really well too, because uh, it showed her sleeping 
uh, 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 Tally. Show Tally sleeping. And then she wakes up and finds his vehicle and him, you know, shot. Um, And then she sees him and he pops up behind her, you know, in this kind of like hallucination. Because at this point, she's really dehydrated and everything. And I was like, oh, she's dreaming. She's dreaming. There, there's no way they can, you know, get rid of the, 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 the main, the main dude. I mean, you right. Know. But uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, so <laughs> honestly, I was, yeah, I was really surprised. And I was like, I wrote, I wrote it down, uh, in my notes. It says uh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> it, it did. It really did. It just went from like a typical angsty teen fighting with her parents' new woman in her dad's life to. Dude's got a hole in his head. Right. And they didn't so, shy away from showing the hole in the guy's head. Yeah. What is this, PG-13? It is. So, moving on to what they did bad. Problem with this category is we're going to have a long list, just like we did with Maximum Conviction. Yeah. Um. So I think we should really... Pick out the, the, the blaring bad ones aside from the dialogue and the character cliches and stuff. But um, for me, I strongly dislike, and it feels like lazy writing in my opinion, when things take place solely to make the story move forward or to create drama, peril, whatever you call it, you know. Um, like Maisie Williams wandering into the freaking poaching camp. Like, they had a plan. They had a map. Like they, if you know, but of course you wouldn't have that exciting of a movie unless she just randomly decides to, to stroll in this camp un, unescorted. You know, um, that really think, bothered me. I think. And yeah, then, I think you stole my point. That was my. my the point. moment I saw <laughs> thief. The, the moment I saw who was playing character of the guy when, when she walked into the camp. The moment I saw that guy. Right. Uh, Peter Stormer, I think. Yeah, Peter Stormer. I immediately was like, bad guy. She just walked into the bad guy camp. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you don't cast that guy. No. As, but you, I mean, you could you could tell, though. like, Africa, you know, guy just hanging out in Africa just because he wants to be there. Because he wants to be <laughs> with nature or some you, shit like that. You could, tell, you could tell he was the bad guy regardless, though, because just the way, I mean, like I said, we were talking about, you know, it's just a minute ago. The guy's typecasted into that. Right. Because he yeah. does it so well, uh, yeah. uh, you know, you could see it on his face. So I was like, "Oh, this guy's," uh, uh, re- you know, regardless of who he is, you know, as a, as an actor. I was like, "Yeah, bad guy," because you can just yeah. tell he's like greasy. Just got that <laughs> sleazy look, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the way greasy. he kept asking questions. Oh, yeah. so yes. there's someone else out there. Where's yes. she at? Point her out to me. Point her out. Say, tell me where she's at, and we'll go. You know, we'll help her. He kept trying yes. to kind of do that. Yep. That I kind of yep. did like. There were, there were little, there were cer- certain subtleties in in some of the performance. Yeah, yep. but that, but it also annoyed me that they made. So here we are in the African wilderness. Your father is an expert on a large predator group that's in this continent, and yet you still want to just disappear on a whim, and you're not respecting the wilderness, and you know. Like, I get there's one thing of being a teenager and being slightly ignorant, but you're also a human being at the end of the day, and you have survival instincts, whether you want to believe it or not. Like, no 13-year-old girl is just going to, like, let me wander around where there's predators hanging out and stuff. And it just really bothered me that she was so 
unbelievably ignorant to the dangers of the African wilderness, you know. And she watched her father get murdered by these yeah, like... and she just thinks, oh, I'm sure this one guy's friendly. We're in the middle of nowhere. I'm sure this guy's probably friendly. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have to echo what you said, James, with that man. That's that was my. I actually have that written down as well. That was one. Of, that was the worst part of the movie. I think her yeah. her teen her teen angst like overrode every single survival instinct uh, that everybody has. It's like. Mm-hmm. She's out, like you said, she's out there, you know, in the middle of Africa, doesn't know what she's doing, but keeps doing this, like, I'll do what I want, because, like, no, 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 I don't care who you are, I don't care who you are, if you're in that situation, you're going to be shitting your pants, you're thirsty, you're hungry, don't know what's going on, don't know what's out there to kill you, Uh, you know, she probably would have, you know, if this was a... a, a, a real situation she probably would have uh stuck to tally like flies on shit and they would have been like best friends at least temporarily yeah because for it's sure. like there's completely lost completely and lost. i feel like there's a, and you know we've we've already talked about this multiple episode uh missed potential i feel like there was a huge ball drop when they had her in the camp you know the bad guys and at this point, they're just concerned with, like, oh, we've been identified. They know what's going on. Let's take him out, yada, yada. Well, if that's the case, you probably, you know, and they're like, if we keep her alive, Tally will stay close. Maybe, perhaps, you know, or she'll just split and run and try and get help as soon as possible because now she knows where you are, you know, and she knows that's... that you're not going to be, you know, moving that quickly because yeah. now you have a girl. Yeah. Um, I felt like if if these guys are arms dealers, they're poachers, right? They were selling uh, rhino horns and shit on the black market and stuff. Like, I think they could have added a flavor, and it would have definitely made it a lot darker if they're just like, oh, well, here's somebody that we can sell into sex slavery, you know? And that would have just made the the circumstances and the um, consequences a lot higher for what was, you know, taking place throughout the rest of the movie. I agree, and they hinted at that as well too, kind of with the uh, the old pedo. Yeah, that guy was creepy as fuck. The dirty redneck pedo guy. Why does there always have rapey one? The rapey one. Yeah, Yeah. well, I just think that's. But I really dislike. I think that's gonna be my pick for what I dislike the most. Yeah. Was they shoved. Every they shoved the single defining character trait of every character down your throat. Yeah, the you got the moment, what the, the, the drunken reckless the moment you know, those guys rolled gunslinger. <laughs> you knew, oh, these are the bad guys. They did every possible yeah. thing they could do to just make you go like, Yeah, I don't like these guys right here. Anything short of putting a neon sign that says dicks above them, <laughs> they did. They're yeah, for sure. They're cussing. They got the loud music. They're doing donuts. Guy starts pissing randomly, which I guess we're supposed to hate. I'm just like, God, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm supposed to hate these guys. These are the bad guys. I got you. I got you. Tone it down a little. Then they introduce henchman number three, and he's a rapey pedo. And you're just like, <laughs> come on. Seriously, it's bad enough that they're illegal arms dealers. They're poachers. They're murderers. They're all around assholes. And and play music loud, do donuts, and drive crazy. But now they're, but now you have a rapey pedophile. Wait, I, not necessary. They, I think they actually redeemed them. The, the The movie redeemed itself 
somewhat in the end though towards the end when when the guy was like i have a daughter you know okay but that really upset me because i yeah he was kind of protesting throughout the movie you know like yeah he he didn't want to kill stefan dwarf at first you know and then he was upset with the way the guy was handling things he wanted to bury him all that stuff right like he was definitely showing some ethical issues if you can have some as an arms dealer but you know maybe he had his limits which obviously he did but at the end he's like i have a daughter and ends up like and this will just branch into another thing that i hate which is a classic movie cliche but uh you know he ends up saving them the last minute with like a gunshot right and then in return tally saves him with a last minute gunshot like i hate that like random gunshot from the back oh my god like it's been done a million and seven times we know what's gonna happen yeah but then after he saves her he just walks away and get in his truck he doesn't offer to drive her to town yeah you guys got a ride (laughs) nothing (laughs) nothing i didn't sign up for for killing women and children but i did sign up definitely not abandoning them in the desert and letting them die on their own that's what i signed up for yeah or i mean along those same lines the fact that he just drops his weapon and lets, right? you know, uh, the 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 huge bad guy, the, the guy that's like a fucking true and true sociopath, just like, hey, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, uh, bro. You just fucking blazed the 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 the, the rapey pedo. Like, why yeah. why not a couple more rounds, dude? Yeah, done. He just fucked up his million dollar operation that he made very clear he didn't want fucked up. Yeah, it's already screwed up. But either way, you knew he wasn't going to... I mean, the guy knows he wasn't going to let him go. And he's already involved. Like you said, he's an arms dealer. I mean, the moral compass is still pretty sour. (laughs) And he just kind of, like, drops his gun and then walks away. And, you know, fully knowing that this dude's probably going to shoot it. Like, what the... No. Now, maybe if there was some sort of setup to where they developed that character some, and he was sort of like... The grizzled vet he's like you know what i've done this too much i've seen too much i've spread too much misery i'm done i can't do this anymore i don't want to be part of this and he's walking away in some sort of like perhaps hope that the guy will shoot him to just kind of end it i think you might have had some substance there but it was just this thing that again yeah he's got a conscience why because he has a daughter okay right that came out of nowhere. It, yeah, that it did. It did. But he, I mean, he didn't get. He didn't get. He didn't get a lot of screen time to yeah. like develop any of that stuff. To be such a pivotal character, play such a vital role in the the climax of this film, he certainly was just like, "Yep, I'm here, <laughs> and now I'm leaving." <laughs> yep, and now I'm walking away while this guy's gonna probably kill me. And I'm and now I'm gonna, gonna keep walking. Yeah, to... <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna keep walking. And that, leave that, these ladies that, in the that was another. I just realized that too. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Chris. I just realized oh, that after shooting the rapey pedo guy, right? The girls are still there, or you know, and he's just walking away to leave them with the lead henchman at that point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I didn't even think about that. It's, yeah, that's it. That's another one. Doors. Because if you notice the way that scene is cut. He shoots the guy and then just walks away, and then the big boss like materializes behind him. Yeah. Like in between Pedo and and the guy that that shot him, and he's just like there. He didn't walk up on anything. 
He wasn't there to begin with. He just mm -hmm. appears all of a sudden bad guy. And everyone's like, you're in the middle of nowhere. One would think it'd be pretty easy to see him. You're in the middle of a goddamn desert. Yeah. Hey, How the hell are you sneaking up on people in the goddamn desert? Hear his truck coming out, something. Yeah. For you sure. Know, like hear him walking, hear, see him. I mean, it's not like they're in like, this densely wooded forest where he could have been <laughs> hiding out or anything. And he's just like, bring, I'm here. They don't show him walking up. They don't show yeah, him there's nothing, coming none on of scene. That stuff. He's literally, just, they just cut and he's there. Hashtag movie magic. Yeah. Of course. So I, uh, I I might be putting you guys on the spot because we didn't discuss this before, but uh, I'm going to ask you guys, what, what was your favorite quote from the movie? Um, to give you guys a second to think about it. Mine was when Peter Stormore comes upon the, uh, the first dead bad guy that, that uh, uh, Tally had killed, and they did a real close-up close zoom of like his uh, flies and, and you know the, the damage to his body. And, and uh, Peter's standing there, and he goes, eh, guess we're not dealing with a fucking housewife. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, uh, you know, that's it, it, it had some comedy, uh, but there was also some, like, uh, uh, a little bit of, like, shit, we gotta have to deal with this chick a little bit more forcefully. But uh, I, I enjoyed that quote. Yeah, I wasn't really paying attention to the dialogue to remember any um, direct quotes really um okay yeah next time though now that i'll make that an actual note for for uh, the upcoming movie um yeah but a couple a couple of lines that i guess stuck out to me was when tally wakes up in the hospital after it's all been said and done you know and the nurse is like oh you've been asleep for 24 hours and then tally asks well where's joe and the nurse is like, oh, her mom came and got her. They left. <laughs> like, that makes you think that they just, oh, hey, Wait thanks for saving my life. I'm not even going to see if you're okay. And I'm going to fucking abandon you in this hospital. <laughs> yeah, peace, dude. Yeah. Like, of course, they come right back because they went out to go get food. But the way the nurse said it was like, oh, her mom came and got her. They left. <laughs> like, straight, straight. No explanation. <laughs> no context. Just they left. <laughs> see, I absolutely hated the ending. Not the climax of the action, but the ending. It's too clean and neat and tidy. Okay, everything's good. Even, like, Joe comes back and she's got a burger and a milkshake and she looks just fine. Like, she just woke up to got ready for school that morning. Yeah. No implications of being stuck out in the desert and nearly died and seeing her dad murdered right in front of her and nearly going through all of that and then 24 hours later she's just dip, 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 everything's cool i'm good everything's happy so you know you're my new best friend let's go see where these random assholes blew up and, and buried my dad because we're just gonna leave him there because yeah you know what yeah and it bothered me how the whole reason that the daughter even was on the trip is because you know she got in trouble with drugs and she was hanging out with the wrong crowd and this was supposed to be like uh you know maybe the dad can talk some sense into her kind of thing right. i promise you after seeing her dad get murdered 
being hunted and stuck out in the African wilderness for so many days, she's probably going to turn to drugs now because she's going to ah. need to cope with all the shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. She's <laughs> what, 15, 16 years old? 13. She's 13. 13. Are you serious? Oh, Jesus. Yes. Okay, so she's 13. 13 years old and just went through all of that. Yeah. Yep. She's going to need therapy for, for years, to... man. Yeah. What oh, is yeah. left for her to experience in life that's going to come, you know, that's going to reach that level? And the, no. the mom, cocaine. Moms, yeah, the mom seems so ungrateful towards Tally, which I'm sure they have like a bit of history. Which I wish they would have expanded more on why like, Paul left the wife and the family. Your daughter's life, like single-handedly, yeah. kept your daughter from like some seriously bad stuff happening. Where when dying, when getting shot in the face is probably the most humane, nicest, best. Uh, outcome you yeah you're not going to be looking at her like oh well you stole my yeah uh oh our plane if we don't catch this plane we're stuck here for two more days like that annoyed me too it's like because we were just stuck in the african wilderness for like a week (laughs) but i understand you're concerned about spending another day in south africa (laughs) yeah i would don't get me wrong with civilization yeah (laughs) but i mean like they're just gonna leave his body there I don't know, you know, I mean, Obviously, maybe. Obviously, they know exactly where he is. Yeah, they didn't really, you know, I, I don't can't, think they were they... too concerned with the, that plot But issue. that's a big thing. Like, yeah. dude, if I ended up getting shot in the face and then buried by some asshole in the middle of fucking Africa, please help me out. Bring me home. <laughs> don't just leave my ass right next to the smoldering wreckage of the, you know, the, the, the truck that I got shot in and then they set on fire. <laughs> Yes, just leave me right there where I was murdered. My uh, so my last kind of point about this movie was is going to be about why did Joe come on this trip in the first place? Like, who's funding this? You know what I mean? Who's funding this? Because these scientists they get funded by um, volunteers and and that kind of stuff, donations and and colleges and research societies and yada yada yada. So that's that's the thing is like the very first note that I took down regarding. What was the fucking point of the conference slash classroom scene in the beginning, right? When Paul's presenting his hyena knowledge to like this group of people. So I was, and I look back on that now that you say it too, it kind of ties in that maybe that's where he was basically vying or pitching his sale for his grant to go and study these hyenas again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But does that grant include? however many thousands of dollars it is to take his daughter yeah to, you know well, to this to this place to, to feed her yeah the liability to feed her uh the plane tickets all that stuff you know sustaining somebody in the middle of uh, africa costs these days i don't know but sustaining somebody in the middle of nowhere is not cheap i mean you right. can ask the and u.s government they had like generators and these nice tents and lighting and stuff which like i said doing things just to propel the story or the plot forward her ipad dies right and she throws a fit which which forces her and her father to go to the truck to talk so they can charge it why do you have to go to the truck you have electric lights above you you have electricity you're 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 just solar panels out there yeah you just (laughs) talked about the freaking generator though like you can't plug the freaking (laughs) ipad in somewhere but no they needed a plot device to force this dialogue between father and daughter which annoyed me and i wish they would have expanded on the whole reason for her angst they touched on it and they briefly 
speak on it, but you know, like establish this whole dad left. Mom said that you were going to come back, but I, as a daughter, think that Tally is the reason you aren't coming back to the family because now you found her. And like they mention it, but they don't really go in depth on it. It's right. just like a, a, a 10 sentence long conversation in the truck. And next thing you know, Paul gets shot in the head. <laughs> That's all you get. <laughs> back That's around to it. That escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're 100% right, both of you. And that's the thing about a suspense slash thriller that gets missed a lot. In order for there to be suspense, in order for there to be tension, in order for you to get that feel, that tightness in your chest during a, a particularly you know, dramatic scene, you have to care about the characters. You have yeah, you're, to be you're absolutely right. In the mindset of, you know what, I've grown attached to this character. I don't want to see this character harmed or killed. And you don't get that established. So that, I think, is the overarching theme of this entire movie. Is you just they, That's just not really established. So you just don't care about the characters. So you don't care about any of the things that are going on yeah no i i fully agree um i consider myself another empathetic person and not at all during this movie did i really empathize with their struggle at all i was just really annoyed i felt like throughout the whole movie um wanted to wanted to slap her <laughs> yeah exactly um, being an asshole so, yes yeah i gotta say i back you know once again i enjoyed it better than last week's episode um but let's you know let's move on. I'm I'm ready to see what's what's coming down the pike next week. I have one. Any random, final thoughts, guys? I, yes, I do. I have a very, very hilarious final thought. <laughs> Evelyn Purcell, the director of Heat Stroke. Mm-hmm. She's done a few things here and there. Uh, her career actually dates back to the mid '70s. Yeah. She's been directing movies since the mid '70s. I was looking at that. I wanted to point out that this, that the only other movie of any note whatsoever that she directed was Caged Heat in 1974. Oh, what? This, yes, yes, the person who directed Heat Stroke directed Caged Heat. Typecasted, typecasted director. It's got to be about heat. All right, man. Fire it up, dude. What are we doing? What are we watching? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She produced it. She was a producer for KHT. Yeah. I found that right, hilarious. Chris, hit us, hit us with the next movie. What you got? All right. All right. Bringing it up. And we get from 2007. In the wake of his bride's death, Grieving newlywed Jamie is forced to return to his hometown where he butts heads with the ghost of a ventriloquist in what dead fuck? silence. Dead what the silence. Butts heads with the ghost of a ventriloquist. Are you serious? It is starring the, the noted cast on the side are Ryan Quantin, Amber Valletta, Donnie Wahlberg, Michael Fairman, Joan Haney, Bob Gunton, Laura Regan, Dmitry Chibovetsky, which I know I butchered that name, and I apologize. Judith Roberts and Kerr Gilchrist. I've heard of one person. Donnie the- Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg. All right, so just to get... Man, all right. So I despise horror movies with a passion just because they're extremely boring to me. So 
don't expect a lot out of me next episode. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna dive into this. But whoo, this, this is my jam right here. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> All right, that's it's cool. Yeah. I'll. Uh, I'll. Uh, I will guide you through this. This horror. Or, uh, I'm looking at this this IMDb page, and I, I'm seriously <laughs> doubting but me volunteering to partake in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, really over this. It's, you know, hey, it's got a higher rating than Heatstroke. Heatstroke was only four point eight. This is six point two. So maybe there's maybe it's a hidden gem I just didn't know about. But um, yeah, well, that's, on Rotten that's... Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes, uh. Heatstroke has a nine percent. Nice. I just want to point that out. <laughs> While Dead Silence, the movie we're about to watch, has a twenty-one percent. Hey oh. Twice as good, over twice as good yeah, as the movie we just watched. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go and ladles and jelly spoons. Um, I think we're gonna go ahead and put a wrap to this episode of Culture Lust. Uh, next week's episode, Dead Silence. I'm not looking forward to it, but I hope you guys are. Uh, I appreciate you spending your time with us and listening in. And um, come visit the website, sevennerdlysins.com. And you guys have a great evening. Scott, anything to say on the way out? No, man. Thanks uh, Thanks for listening, guys and gals. Chris, you got anything? Dude, a horror movie about ghost ventriloquists. I'm so in. <laughs> All right. I'm watching this tonight. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, listeners, you guys have a good week, and we'll see you next week.